Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-biving friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce today. Today, we're going to be talking with Spencer Sherman. Um, He is a leading financial advisor, author, and public speaker renowned for his mindfulness-based approach to money. As the founder and former CEO of Abacus, a values-driven financial consulting firm managing over $3 billion in assets, Spencer has transformed the lives of his clients and helped them achieve financial success on their own terms. So welcome to the show, Spencer. Caitlin, it's wonderful to be here to dive into this taboo topic of money. Yeah, I'm so excited. I stumbled over my goodness. Um, being a financial consultant or cons or being someone that is over three billion dollars, my goodness, that's a lot to handle. So I'm excited to hear kind of we'll start by you just sharing how you got to doing what you're doing today. Yeah. So for me, you know, I started out with a father who was so focused on survival, grew up from the Great Depression and um, memories of the Holocaust, and so focused on you've got to make money to survive. Like that's your mm-hmm. that's your key to surviving to success. And it was all about the numbers. And I was a math major, so I always thought it was about the numbers. Mm-hmm. And then I start to see. Um, as I get a little older into my 20s, that it's not just about the numbers. There's emotion involved as well with money. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing it in myself and I'm seeing it in my colleagues from business school. Mm-hmm. So these are like really smart people. I mean, I thought everyone at where I went to business school was smarter than me. And I'm saying even they are doing impulsive things with money. They're mm-hmm. buying things they shouldn't buy that, you know, that they're not using. They're investing in companies that are, you know, that are go- that are going bankrupt, why are they? Why are they not using the basic tool, analytic tools, to make decisions? And I realized, like, money's way more complicated. It's very emotional. There's there are our fixed beliefs about money. Like mm-hmm. my one of my beliefs that I inherited growing up was money's more important than anything. Mm-hmm. Well, with that belief, if you have if you hold that belief very strongly you might invest in a startup company because someone tells you, if you miss out on this, you're going to give up millions of dollars. Hmm. So that might provoke you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. Or it might provoke you to say, hey, I'm I'm going to skip, skip a meal or something like that, not take care of myself because money is more important than anything. Hmm. Um and then there was, you know, I often tell the story of like, I ran into a building, my office building that was still being where the fire was still being put out to rescue my worthless laptop, um, you know, sacrificed, willing to sacrifice my life for a worthless laptop. Even mm-hmm. if it was a worthwhile life laptop, I think anybody in their right mind, certainly I would never recommend that you, Caitlin, run into a building that's sure. on fire to retrieve a $3,000 laptop. Mm-hmm. I would say, just forget about it. Your life is infinitely more valuable. Mm-hmm. But these these fixed beliefs, these emotions really get in the way of us, um, of us 
having letting our common sense guide us around money. Mm. Absolutely. That's such a powerful story. I'm sitting here thinking about, you know, how so many of these limiting beliefs or fixed beliefs about income and money um, do impact so much of our human behavior. Like you're exhibiting, I'm like sitting here thinking, what are some of mine? And I know that there's some unhealthy ones just as far as this piece of um, how you start to see it impact you as an adult, right? Like growing up, um, I really didn't learn that much about money. And so it was a really big shock to me when it was like, oh goodness, like now you're out of college and you have to survive and you have to pay bills and you have to do all these things. And it's such a hard concept. I think that we don't really like to talk about because it's that taboo subject. If we don't talk about money and we also are not really set up in society, especially in school to learn really how to manage our money and to even like the beliefs about money. A hundred percent. I mean, this is a topic that's avoided by so many of us, including the schools. And Mm -hmm. we just, and our parents are emotionally burdened around money. So it's hard for them to teach us in any objective way. And so we don't get a lot of the basic lessons about how do you save money? How do you get a mortgage? Should you even get a mortgage? Should you buy a house? Um, What are the other options? Um, And we, we come out with these ideas like, I have to own a home. Mm. And for some of us, that's a great thing. For others, I've seen people so burdened by mm. the financial stress of owning a home. They would have been better off renting, but they had such a strong belief system growing up that you have to own a home. So yeah, I think it's it's and and you know, not I don't want to judge the school systems because it is a tricky topic to teach yes. because it's so full of emotion. Um, there's different viewpoints. But I think it's just it's just this taboo. It's harder to talk about than sex, religion, and politics for many of us. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, I think the most I got in school was learning how to balance a checkbook. And I can't tell you the last time if I ever used a checkbook. Um, but I think you did hit on a really big point of like, we don't even know where to start. And we yes. get kind of caught up in that like, the thing that comes to mind is like the American dream, right? Of, a, of yeah. exactly what you're talking about, owning the home, having the... 2.5 children and being married and, you know, kind of like this, this piece that we've decided that if we don't have that we're yes. failing and we attribute yes. so much of that to money and finances. Yes. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think, I think this path, and just so you know, what I just did is I just opened the blinds a little oh, bit you're good. because no it worries. was getting dark. It was getting dark <laughs> here. Um, so yeah, the, this, I think this path of investigating money, what's so exciting about it is that I mean, we get to really tease out what's 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 our our friends' ambitions in life, what's good for them, and then what's really good for us, what's good for the mm-hmm. culture, and what's good for me. Mm-hmm. And that's not an, I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, but we start to gain awareness of how things actually make us feel and not just what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. We start to say, wait a second, you know, I don't need to own that kind of fancy car that all my neighbors have, for example, or maybe I do, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe my Mm -hmm. neighbors are all drive driving junkers and, and I, that's really going to fit me, but we start to tease out what's really true to us. So one way of, of getting at that is to, is to look at your living expense statement. Like your, I call it a spending intention statement. Mm -hmm. And I have these on my website and I can share that later, but look at it and say, okay, if you could design how you would spend your money, 
Mm. How, where would you put it? Like how much would you put towards dining out and vacations and housing? You know, just letting go of of your current situation and just saying, how would I design my financial life if I could? How mm. much? Where would I spend my money? Um, and that might be really interesting if you just give yourself that freedom to paint a blank canvas. Mm. I love that. I think that's a beautiful place to start and something I have honestly never thought about of if I, you know, had the the possibility to not have these, you know, specific bills, what would that look like? I I love that. And I think one concept that um you talk about is like embracing the sense of enough. And I kind of mm. we were starting to go around this piece yes. of like how to do that. So how do we even start to identify like what is enough for us? Yeah. 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 I mean, first we have to recognize that we live in a culture where no one thinks they have enough, not even the billionaires. So it's just in the water we drink this, I, this, that enough isn't even in the dictionary anymore. It's like, we don't recognize that word. That's mm-hmm. possibility of enoughness. And it, on the surface, it sounds like a boring idea, the idea of enough, but actually the more I've experienced enough, the more boundless I feel this idea is because when we're in that place of enough, we're relaxed. And when we're mm. relaxed and not striving, stressing ourselves, anything is possible. I mean, that's when our brains are functioning most optimally. Mm-hmm. So how do we know what's enough? I mean, there there are certain financial re- calculations that you can do to see, like if you're in retirement mode, it can give you a sense of what's enough enough like there's a withdrawal percentage and enough ratio that i talk about and usually that's like four to five percent that you're withdrawing from your investment portfolio when you're in retirement mode but before we get to retirement i mean what's enough is what feels like a um a lifestyle that is is supportive of you is Mm -hmm. allows you to to be at your best. And what the studies find is that when we have excess money, it it actually doesn't necessarily lead to a happier life. Mm-hmm. There have been many happiness studies on this that we start to plateau at somewhere around $100,000 or so, and it depends on where you live in the country. But at some point, we're not getting great advances in happiness. So when you go from 20,000 to 60,000, most people have an increase in happiness. Mm-hmm. Now, there are some people who live on 20,000 and are, and are doing well. So I, I think it's a matter of also finding an enoughness with what you have. And this is a, this is a subtle point here, but so many of us say, well, when this happens, mm-hmm. when my income doubles, or when I buy the house, or when I meet my, you know, the perfect person, then I'll have a sense of sufficiency. Then I'll be in this land of enoughness. The problem with that is you're training the brain to find enough in the future. And a brain trained for the future like that will never be at rest. So what mm. I've been inviting people to do is to find enoughness with what you have today. Like even if you have very little, can you find a way for your money? to work with what it is today, with your earnings to work with what is today. Even if it's maybe you, you've got to come up with some things that don't really work for you. If you can find a path that works today, the benefit of this is that if we're not grasping for things to be different, 
if we can find an okayness with ourselves as we are, the research shows that we're more relaxed and we're more likely, ironically, to earn more money because Mm. we're not stressing for it. It's like that person at work, the colleague at work who's at ease, who's helping others, who's not stressing about the next raise is actually more likely to get a raise because Mm. everyone wants to be around that person. I mean, it's similar to the dating sort of metaphor that when, when we're dating and we're we're desperately seeking a new relationship, we're less attractive to other people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with our finances. Like we will earn more at work. We'll make wiser decisions with our spending and investing when we're not in that place of desperation. So find a way for your current income, your current assets to be enough right in this moment is one of the things I've been teaching. I feel like you said so many important pieces and I was jotting down a couple that made me think, um, one, I think you're absolutely right. That piece of just highlighting how, yeah, if you're wanting a relationship and you're kind of in that desperation phase, it's almost like, I don't even remember how I had a friend put it to me in college of something like you're basically wearing that sweatshirt that says like, I'm desperate. Um, yeah. And it's very true. Right. Um, Right. 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 But I think the other piece that really hit home for me was um, the idea of like this, this brain that needs more, because the two things that popped up is you said, if you're in that place with the future brain that you're um, not relaxed, so you're going to be more stressed regardless of kind of the money you're making. And I think I noticed this to be so true. I had a client um, and I worked with them for a couple of years and they went from making, and I live in Colorado, so it's an expensive place to live, but they, I think, you know, a couple of years ago, they went from making like 38,000. And then I think by the time we were done working together, they were making around 60. And mm. the, what blew my mind is that even though they were making so much more and they were able to like buy their own house, they moved into a house, they were excited. Um, there was still the same stress about the budget, even though there was more money in the bank, right? Because it was still that piece of, oh my gosh, but for the future, I don't have enough money for X, Y, Z, which was just blew my mind of like, so it had nothing to do with the amount and the numbers, like you were saying. Yes. Yes. It's so common that we get, we, we reach a certain goal but the mind, because we've trained that mind to be future oriented so that the mind now is anticipating the next thing. Mm-hmm. So this is why we have to, I mean, we all talk about our parents, but ultimately we have to become parents for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And what are we feeding ourselves around mm-hmm. money? What what information are we feeding? What, what are we ruminating? Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. It's like... <laughs> There's what we say out loud, and then there's all of our ruminations, our fantasies, our our worries that recirculate. And one of the things that I've been doing, Caitlin, is I always say it's it's not polite to interrupt somebody else, but it's fine to interrupt yourself. Mm. But when you're in that cycle of worry or ruminating about, well, if only I had that house, if you know, if only my income increased, then I'd be okay, is to stop that rumination and say, how can I be okay with what I have right now? Mm-hmm. When you're in the fantasy, oh, well, maybe I, I should buy a lottery ticket, only I won the lottery, you know, just stop, interrupt those patterns mm-hmm. and keep doing that. And as we do that, those patterns become less repetitive and we gain s- space. And in that space, 
our brains can can actually function and and be creative and come up with an innovative idea. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm what I've been really working with people on is is there so much of our brain power goes to worry and rumination and fantasy and if we can interrupt that pattern we can we can create all this additional real estate in the brain uh mm-hmm. to take advantage of what's possible for us i love that i i talk about that same idea of interrupting those ruminating thoughts constantly with clients because mm-hmm. even with our self-worth and all these different pieces everything we do it's that piece and as you said that I caught one of my ruminating thoughts um, of this piece that we were talking about the future brain. I was like, okay, what does the enough piece mean to me? And I immediately heard, if you're not striving for more, you're settling. And to me, I know that that's that piece of like, okay, that was something from my parents. Like you just said, of we're always go, go, go. You go towards those goals. You always make more money. And I realized that's probably a lot for a lot of people. That's something that we have in common. A lot of people have that idea. Yes. Yes. And here's, let me put in one piece here, which, which I think will help give us the fuller picture of this is that I am very much in favor of everyone having outrageous intentions and goals. Mm -hmm. So you want to become a billionaire so you can do incredible philanthropy and all that. I think that's beautiful. The trick is to not be attached to that, to that goal, Mm. that you have the goal you're working towards it. You want to run the marathon, but you've let go of winning the marathon. You're focused on your daily exercise regime. You're focused on the daily savings you're going to do for that house, but you're not attached to this, even the the, the kind of house you're going to have, or even that you're going to end up buying a house. Who knows what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. It's it's really, you're, you're living more in the moment than attached to any future idea, but having an intention can be beautiful. Mm. I mean, having an intention, for example, to get healthier is great. And you're going to go to the gym and do your, your workouts every week, but you're not attached to the form that that health takes. You, you're not so attached to the outcome. That's what I've seen in others. I've seen actually ironically leads to more success. So mm. we're not saying get rid of your goals, just don't hold them as well, I'll be okay when this happens. No, mm. find a way to be okay now and have the outrageous goal. Like, yeah, it'd be great if I own that, you know, fantastic car or Tesla or some other amazing car. But but it's like, if it doesn't happen, I'm already okay. Mm. I love that. And what I heard behind that, um, I had this conversation actually the other day too, where I had a client talking to me about, vision boards. And we stopped because Mm. we talked about this piece of when you're looking at a vision board, you're going into that lack mentality, right? It's that I don't have what I want. So I'm looking at this. And so I kind of what I exactly heard you say, um, and what we kind of did is we went back to this piece of what is the feeling that you think you're going to achieve from the thing that you're wanting? Mm. And how can we cultivate Mm. that feeling inside us now? Because then we can make more of it. I love that. What's the feeling you want to achieve from having this new boat that you think you're going to, it's going to give you so much. And and how do you give yourself this feeling right now today? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And there's so many ways to make that happen for ourselves. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's like eventually we start to come up with creative ideas and, you know, that we, I don't know. I was just thinking of that idea of like being on a boat, you know, it's like, I know someone who ended up working on a cruise ship. 
because mm-hmm. they wanted to be on a, on a boat more of the time. And it turned out that, that there was an opening on our cruise ship that they found out about and they just loved it. So I love that, that bring the feeling in right now. Like mm-hmm. don't, you don't need to wait for it is what you're saying, Caitlin. I love that. Yeah. So that kind of brings me to this idea. Obviously the podcast is called the abundance alchemist podcast. So abundance is a loaded word. Let's talk about yes. that. Tell me kind of yes. your thought about abundance. Yes. Okay. So here, that's a great question. So I feel like abundance is uh, this abundance results from having that sense of enoughness mm. that we're then in this place where our brains are producing abundant insights, mm. that there's abundance of insights, there's an abundance of energy. Um, I don't I don't say that that we're net you're necessarily going to have this literal like abundance because most people think of abundance as having like billions of dollars. like abundance, to me means that you have enough to to not only pay for all the things that are important for you, but you have enough to save money for your future, that Mm. you believe in your future and you're putting away something for your future on on a regular basis. I mean, to me, that's that sense of abundance. It's, it's, it's really, you know, it's really getting, um, back to this enough thing. You know, I was just with this entrepreneurial director um, at Brown University. His name is Danny Warshaw. And he was telling me about studies that have been done that show that the most successful successful startups result from limited resources. So limited resources sometimes can produce an abundance of creative ideas. And that if we have too much money, around us it can it can actually take away some of our spark some of our um creativity so, you know sometimes necessity is the mother of invention so that's how i see abundance that it's not necessarily like we're we're like swimming in money um but and it could be that it could be that we have a lot of excess money um but it's really abundance in all ways like you feel an abundance with your time most of us are like, we're like, always like, oh, I'm out of time. I'm, you know, rushing from this thing. And what a way to live life to always feel a scarcity of time. Because in the scarcity, there's fear. That's mm-hmm. that's the inherent quality when we say we're out of time or we're, you know, I need more friends or I need more house or, or even money. There's a sense of scarcity around that. Mm-hmm. And to find this enoughness with it all actually produces that sense of living in an abundant place from an abundant place from a place of um of boundlessness where anything is possible Mm, i love that what a beautiful way to explain that i think you know when i created the podcast um my husband actually came up with the title which is just great if you knew him you'd be like really um but (laughs) he said that to me and i was like yeah but i'm not trying to help people have all this crazy money or to, you know, and that was kind of where I went to that idea. And he was like, no, you're creating this piece as the alchemist and you are showing people how to create that. Exactly. Like you said, the holistic piece of abundance, um, of really feeling like you have enough. And I think that's always interesting to me if my number one goal has always been that time freedom and doesn't mean I get to do whatever I want with my time 
all the time, but it means that sense of, I feel like I get to choose what I do and when, where I put my energy into my time. And I think that you highlighted that so beautifully with, with that piece of, of enoughness in abundance. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like, really, it's like, I think if you asked a billionaire what they want in their life that they don't have, they would, they might say things like health, vitality, vitality, energy, some things that are really almost impossible to purchase. Right. Um, And that's really what we want. We want to be inspired and lit up and have a very, a a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And those things don't necessarily come. Sometimes they are inhibited by having an excess of resources because we build a dependency on that money. It becomes sort of our identity. Um, Yeah. So, so I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying you can't have, you know, yes, I may everyone be flourish and have abundance with their finances, but you don't need to, you don't need to have millions and millions of dollars to live an abundant life. Yeah. You know, I think we see that in so many different places all over the world because our culture is very different. Um, but you're, you know, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times like research shows and that's speaking my language because I'm all about kind of what the research is out there. And, and I remember seeing a research article years ago and I cannot for the life of me remember where I saw it or who it was. But what I took away from it is this piece. It was a, a research done on um, Caucasian men over the age of like 55 in um, like top 1% earning capacity in the US. And it was showing the correlation of how many of them were abusing prescription drugs. And it was like 90%. And what it showed is, you know, there was a lot of different speculation, but what I took away from it was this piece of exactly that there's you, I mean, as a substance abuse counselor and mental health counselor, looking at the substance abuse, you're using to cope with something, right? So you're not enjoying something. You're needing more energy to work in the grind to make that money, or you're not having the things that you're wanting, like the health, right? Or you're on a bunch of prescription medication to manage health symptoms because of those Mm. things. So I think like what you're talking about of really abundance comes in a place where you're fully embracing all the different aspects of ourself, not just that piece of money, which again, is why this makes it such a taboo topic because people don't want to accept oh my goodness, I shouldn't have the goal of being a millionaire and put it above everything else. Like you were saying earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if too strong a word delusion, but this idea that if I become this multimillionaire or something that my life will be easy, I'll be happier. And there's no evidence for that. Right. But we've been fed that by all the the culture, the advertising is all training us to believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just isn't true. Um, we don't see that at all. Um, there was a study done. Um, well, it was Arthur Brooks did a study on you know income and happiness, and it levels off our, you know, at at some point, I think I mentioned it, you know, somewhere around a hundred thousand dollars, our happiness levels off. Mm-hmm. We don't keep getting increases in happiness. Um, and, uh, yeah, Lord, this is Lori Santos from Yale university also talks about this hedonic treadmill. She calls it that we reach this higher plate that we, we get, you know, we get to metaphor, the metaphorical first class on the plane and we love it the first time or the second time. But by the fifth time we f- fly first class, we're saying, Hey, wait a second. I, I United has a much better first class than Delta. And then eventually we're saying, well, what about pl- flying privately? It doesn't stop. 
You know, so we think we're going to get there. And I'm saying, you're first of all, you're not going to get there. You're more likely to get there if you can find, as you're saying, find this this sense of of sufficiency of abundance right in this moment. Mm. You know, be grateful for all that you have. Um, you know, open up your closets and garages and look at all the stuff you have. Look at all the the skills and attributes you have that sometimes we discount within ourselves. All the value that we've impacted others with over the last year at work, at home, you know, to start appreciating that about yourself instead of looking at what's missing from you, look at all that you've done Mm. is a way of, you know, to help, help rejuvenate or affirm yourself. Right. I love that. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful practice for gratitude. Actually caught myself doing that earlier today. Um, I was like, you know, I didn't get as much done as I wanted today, but then I sat back and I thought about, um, I heard my son laugh so much today. We had such a fun day. Mm. And I was like, you know what? That's my abundance. I showed up for my son. Yeah. What's the value of that laughter, right? Yeah. Priceless. I mean, it's priceless, right? And so there are many rich people who never get to hear their kids laugh because they're out taking care of their 10 homes and 10 businesses Mm -hmm. and all all of that. Uh, And they miss out on that. Um, they have nannies handle all that for Mm -hmm. them. So there's no there there. And that laugh, that laughter, as you said, is priceless. That has Mm an infinite value and makes you wealthier. But unfortunately, it's not counted as part of the net worth statement. Right. Yeah. That's okay with me. I'll take that priceless laughter, right? (laughs) Beautiful. Right. Right. Because it's, it's, it does make us wealthier. That is Mm -hmm. feeding you that laughter. Yeah. Um, That's irreplaceable. Absolutely. So, if I can ask, we're getting tight on time, but I want to ask last kind of snippet for our listeners of how do we start today with cultivating that enough mindset? Mm-hmm. So find ways, look for ways for your house to feel to be enough as it is. Look for ways for your assets, your income to be enough as it is. It doesn't mean you're not going to ask for a raise this year, but find a way for your income to be enough, you know, do a spending plan where you're still saving some money, where it's enough what you're making today. Um, I mean, here's a little, a little hack that I, that I started doing a few years ago. I used to always say to people and they ask me, how are you at the grocery store? I, I would, I would say swamped out of time scarcity. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I'm saying, I've been saying, practicing, I'm feeling spacious. And it throws mm-hmm. people off, right? Because they're expecting me to say to the how are you question, I'm swamped, busy. Now I'm just saying spacious. And at first it was a little bit like, well, am I am I just faking it? But it forced me to start living it, to start mm-hmm. making sure that I added on buffers in my calendar each day so that I'm not feeling so scrunched for time. So see if you can start to do that. If you can if you can start to find this enoughness, maybe you say to your spouse, hey, let's do a vacation that's a little less expensive so we feel spacious, that we're not so stressed mm-hmm. about paying that credit card bill when we get back from vacation. Find enoughness in everything you do, you know, with your eating, um, when you're in a meeting with someone. I mean, often we get this internal signal, right? When it's time to to end a meeting or it's time to stop eating or it's time to stop working and we keep overworking. Mm-hmm. I, I've noticed that a lot about myself, that I those extra 
20, 30 minutes are usually very unproductive. Mm -hmm. past that signal, we get the signal from the body that it's time to take a break or a rest or quit for the day entirely. That's That's the thing to tune into so that you start cultivating this enough, which contradicts the pattern, the the conditioning that's so strong in our culture to keep going, keep working, keep mm-hmm. earning money, you know, keep buying things. And it's like, no, like take a break from that. Wait, here's my prescription for buying stuff is for anything significant, wait three days and mm-hmm. see if you still need it or want it. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. I heard um, one of this, these lovely words that we use, right? I I have some that I always tell my clients, I'm like, let's find a different word for that because it's the, I'm stressed, I'm busy, I'm anxious. And those are the ones I hear every single client, knock on wood, no, like complete truth. Every single time somebody shows up to a counseling session and I say, how are you feeling today? It's I'm stressed, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed, or I'm busy. And so I love that you said, I'm taking that out. Um, I know your words were a little bit different, but I'm taking that out because my goodness, being stressed and overwhelmed and anxious and busy, we have decided that those are badges of honor in our society. Exactly. Yeah. And they're not. (laughs) That's so well said that unfortunately they're badges of honor. And why is that? Because it's creating that sense of scarcity. Right. And like, we need more. And why do we, that's not a healthy life for us. It puts us in that fight flight mode Mm -hmm. of like survival which is, yeah, which is our human conditioning throughout history, but we're no longer at that point of like survival at every moment. So we don't need to create that extra adrenaline stress in our lives. Mm-hmm. We can start to relax, start to exhale. Um, yeah. And let go of, maybe it can be a badge of honor to say, I'm feeling spacious today. Oof, I love that. Yeah. That's going to be my new badge of honor. I'm going to start saying that to people. I'm taking it from you. Um, but I love that. I think, you know, to just to tie this in, um, that piece where you're saying like our parental programming earlier on, right. Those limiting beliefs about money. That was exactly what I heard of. Like you mentioned your parents and kind of the great depression, and we're still believing those things to be true. Right. Like you said, we don't have to grind and grind and grind. We're no longer in that space for so many of us, um, which is an absolute privilege. And we actually need to operate in that privilege. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not healthy for our minds or our souls to always be in that red alert state. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what we've conditioned ourselves to do. We, I mean, we get an email from someone and we can go into that red alert because the email was written quickly, or maybe we read it quickly. How many often is that? And we go into that panic mode. And then I reread the email and go, oh my God, Mm -hmm. I completely misread it. Or I've got an apology, you know, if I wait a few hours, sorry, Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to say what I did, you know, and it's like, if we can start to calm down that nervous system, we'll be better, we'll feel better inside and we're more likely to make more money. Oh, I love this. Well, Spencer, I have enjoyed our conversation so, so much. Thank you for our listeners. Um, I appreciate your time. I know it's valuable and I appreciate you spending it here with us. I'm going to put all of Spencer's information in the episode notes so that you can get a hold of him. Find that um, sheet where you said you're spending intentions. Love that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I can share. Yeah. I, yeah. So uh, yeah, I think you're going to share the the Spencer, if you if you go to spencer-sherman.com forward slash free, Perfect. you'll get my free resources. Love it. Awesome. Yes. I will put that in those episode notes. And again, thank you so much. Thank you, Caitlin. 
Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.